Welcome to study number 28, Numbers 28. Uh, we'll cover verses 1 through 31, Lord willing, and the church don't rise as we send out our hibbele holla out to Brother Zane Vlasic. Zane Vlasic. What a name. Isn't that great? Uh, you know, I got the Greg Miller. It's so many Millers out there. Uh, but Brother Zane uh, is a fairly new local BBFer as of the time of this recording. Uh, came along with Brother Mark and Sister Jessica from down in Fairfield County. So, Brother Zane, here's your hibbele holla. And we are welcoming him and everyone else who's going to join us for this study as we open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you teach us, what we can glean from these studies to share with those watching and listening, but also that this is an introduction. This is just a springboard that we pray every Bible student listening will just continue to learn and grow, and you'll teach them things one-on-one uh, -on -one as they are in the Word, as well as you teach them when they listen to Bible teachers or take part in other Bible studies. We just thank you for it. Thank you for salvation. We thank you for Jesus, first and foremost, above all. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, Moses has been told that his time has come to an end, that soon he will depart. And at this time, uh, the Lord's going to take care of some, uh, uh, well, as they say, get your things in order. And uh, Moses is being given some commandments. Really, what we're going to see is a review of some of the things that Moses had actually taught 40 years ago when they first headed out of Egypt. We're now 40 years after the fact. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. But Moses will not enter with them, and we've discussed all of that previously. Um, so uh, we are coming to the end of the life of Moses, and we pick up uh, with the Lord's, some of the Lord's final commandments to Israel through Moses, beginning verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel, and say unto them, my offering and my bread for my sacrifices made by fire for a sweet savor unto me shall ye observe to offer unto me in their due season. Now one thing that ought to stand out as you listen and hopefully are able to read along, I know some of you are driving and working and doing other things and you listen to these, but hopefully you can sit down with your open Bible and go through these and make notes and that sort of thing. You might even circle in this verse the times he says, uh, my offering, my bread, my sacrifices, made unto me, uh, it says, made by fire for a sweet savor unto me, and he says, you'll observe them to offer unto me in their due season. So it's pretty uh, possessive and personal, the Lord makes these uh, sacrifices and these instructions because, uh, well, it says J. Vernon McGee says, I was reading his comments, um, and he says, quote, you recall from the book of Leviticus that there were two kinds of offerings. Of the five offerings, three of them were sweet savor offerings. Two of them were non-sweet savor offerings. 
The sweet savor offerings represent the person of Christ. The non-sweet offerings speak of the work of Christ in redemption for you and me. Now here, God is talking about sweet savor offerings and he calls them my offerings. I'm still quoting. These offerings represent not what Christ has done for us or our thoughts of him, but they speak of what God thinks of him. End quote. Get that. They speak of what God thinks of Jesus as our sacrifice. These sacrifices picture Jesus in different ways and different forms. But this that we're reading here is a reminder of those sweet savor sacrifices that speak of God's satisfaction by the offering being made here in symbol through with an animal, but made in reality in the person of Jesus Christ, His Son. So Jesus, when He came, was God in human form. Uh, if you worship a Jesus who is just a man, you've got a false Jesus, you've got a Jesus who cannot save you. God Himself became human, became a man. First uh, Timothy 3.16, Colossians chapter 1, uh, John 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, through 3, and so forth. All, uh, and Hebrews 1. I always forget to mention that, but look at the first few verses of Hebrews 1. They clearly set forth the fact that God himself took upon himself flesh. He was the infinite, sinless sacrifice. He's the only man, and I put it in quotes, he was man, but he was man with a capital M, he was 100% fully God and 100% fully man in Jesus. And that's why only Jesus is qualified to pay for our sins. Only he could. No other religious leader, no other religious prophet, no other person ever to live could have paid for our sins. And the shed blood and death of Jesus met the requirements of holiness and righteousness and as a sacrifice of infinite value, paid for all sins, sins of the whole world for all time. And that's why Jesus and Jesus alone can be and is the Savior of the world, satisfying the requirement for salvation from sin as a sweet savor unto the Lord. We continue, verses 3 and 4, And thou shalt say unto them, This is the offering made by fire which ye shall offer unto the Lord, two lambs of the first year without spot day by day for a continual burnt offering. Verse 4, The one lamb shalt, shalt thou offer in the morning, and the other lamb shalt thou offer at even. Now many, many, many lambs died. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know. Uh, I have to look that up sometime. If someone's given a guesstimate of how many lambs were killed. Now Jesus was the lamb and he's got a capital L in your Bible, if you got a good Bible, many times. And uh, as the Lamb of God, Jesus was sufficient alone to pay for the sins of the world. But as a picture, there had to be multiple lambs. And so Israel would start the day, every day, and end the day, every day, with a picture of this spotless lamb being slain by shedding blood and then being burnt. That means the whole thing just goes up in smoke. <laughs> And it goes up where? Up into heaven. So that also pictures that this is a full and complete sacrifice going up to the Father 
and it pictures the complete payment um, to God by God in His Son for sin. Now we continue with the instructions for this sacrifice through verse 8, beginning of verse 5. And a tenth part of an ephah of flour for a meat offering, mingled with the fourth part of an hen of beaten oil. And of course, uh, you may wonder why that's a, it's basically a good recipe for a very basic bread. Verse 6, it is a continual burnt offering which was ordained in Mount Sinai. That was 40 years ago compared to where we're at here in Numbers. For a sweet savor, that satisfying savor of a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord. Verse 7, And the drink offering thereof shall be the fourth part of an hen for the one lamb. And it's fitting that a drink offering was involved um, as also we then uh, take part with the cup and the bread in communion when we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper. Verse 7 continues, In the holy place shalt thou cause the strong wine to be poured unto the Lord for a drink offering. Strong wine. We're never to get drunk. It's never. It doesn't have anything to do with getting drunk. But uh, strong wine, meaning alcoholic wine, being poured out unto the Lord for a drink offering because that was the drink um, that most people partook in as sustenance. It not only would uh, be a drink they would have with meals and everything, but it actually has health benefits when uh, when you just drink it uh, without getting drunk. I don't want to get into that deep, but uh, a lot of people really make a mess of the Bible by deciding that it's a sin to ever drink wine, and then they start messing with the Bible in order to make it fit their own teachings and everything. Let's not go beyond the Bible and add to it. Fundamentalists adding to the Bible is just as wicked as the liberals doing what they do with the Bible or these new versions. And we should never do that for any reason. And so verse 8 continues and says, And the other lamb shalt thou offer it even, as the meat offering of the morning, and as the drink offering thereof, thou shalt offer it, a sacrifice made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And we discussed pretty much everything, uh, the basics anyway, of that uh, passage. And then, uh, on the Sabbath, we'll see the commandment is to double the sacrifice. Verses 9 and 10 says, And on the Sabbath day, two lambs of the first year without spot, and two-tenth deals of flour for a meat offering mingled with oil, and the drink offering thereof. Verse 10 explains, This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, beside the continual burnt offering and his drink offering. So this was in addition to, or beside what you do every day anyway, um, a very special offering at the beginning of um, each month then was also offered, which is uh, every new moon. Month is in reference to the new moon. And we'll simply read through these instructions through verse 15, uh, beginning in verse uh, 11. And in the beginnings of your months, you shall offer a burnt offering unto the Lord, two young bullocks and one ram, seven lambs of the first year without spot, and three-tenth deals of flour for a meat offering. Again, just for those who may not have picked this up or maybe you've joined us, I encourage you to go back and go through the previous studies. We build upon them. But sometimes I'll go ahead and remind you of things. And this meat, M-E-A-T, we uh, would refer to it as flour-based um, things like bread. 
So it says right here, two-tenth deals of flour for a meat offering. So it's not that hard to understand if you're paying attention. Mingled with oil for one ram. So you'd have this basic bread um, uh, recipe added to this sacrifice. Verse 13, And a several-tenth deal of flour mingled with oil for a meat offering unto one lamb, for a burnt offering of a sweet savor, a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord. And then verses 14 and 15, And their drink offering shall be half a hen of wine unto a bullock, and the third part of an hen unto a ram, and a fourth part of an hen unto a lamb. This is the burnt offering of every month throughout the months of the year. And one kid of the goats for a sin offering unto the Lord shall be offered, beside the continual burnt offering and his drink offering. So we won't go into great detail, but um, the Bible student should be aware of the differences between our calendar that we use today and this monthly moon calendar. Uh, our calendars have months, but it's really not um, connected to the lunar cycle. It's a solar calendar. Um, and then the Jewish calendar was a lunar calendar, but it wasn't just a lunar calendar. Um, we've discussed this on a number of occasions in past studies, but from time to time, as I said, we do need to touch on these things again. So in, just a reminder, instead of ring from midnight to midnight, which is how our days are reckoned, uh, at the stroke of midnight, uh, tomorrow begins. Um, but the Jewish day was reckoned, as Genesis 1-5 says, the evening and the morning were the first day. And so it would go from sunset to sunset. Um, then uh, months of days were around 2930 every month. They, that follows the lunar cycle. But they align themselves with the seasons of the year, which are on a solar cycle. See, <laughs> it, it's hard to explain. Uh, I mean, they put a lot of time and, and effort into this Jewish calendar. They referred to it as a luna-solar luna calendar. Luna meaning moon, solar meaning sun. Luna-solar calendar. And just as we have a leap year, because we're a quarter of a day short, so every fourth year, and that's not exact, but pretty close to a fourth of a day a year, so every four years we have a leap year and add a day to the end of the month of February. Well, the Jewish calendar actually is short every year, and so every few years they add in that whole extra month to their leap year. So every so often they'll have a 13th month. And um, finally in the 4th century, the Sanhedrin came up with a formula, and it's been followed ever since. It's not an easy formula to follow or to explain or anything, but you just by knowing that much information, if you want to, you can do some more research on that. But with that, we continue because that then leads us to uh, this idea of months being lunar cycles and the first month is called Nisan. We've talked about that before, Exodus uh, 12 and uh, onward. Numbers 28:16, and in the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. Now go back to our previous studies for details on that, but um, the 14th day, the first day of the first month, uh, would be the, the time of the previous uh, sacrifice that we were referring to. Then on the 14th day of the first month was Passover. And of course that 
Passover lamb pictured Jesus, and it just so happens it was on the 14th day of Nisan when Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, Jesus of Nazareth, would be offered for the sins of the whole world. Then it says, in the 15th day of this month is the feast. Seven days shall unleavened bread be eaten. Now, the day after Passover was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, today, many, including, um, I think, most of the Jews, they mistakenly teach that the Passover is on the 15th. (laughs) And that's not true. The Passover was the 14th, and then the 15th was the first day of Unleavened Bread. Um, So, you know, I I don't say this in any anti-Semitic way or mean way, but those are the same people who rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah. They're spiritually blind, so it's not surprising that they get things wrong. They get a lot of things wrong. Um, I've heard of people say, you think you know things better than the Jews themselves? Yes, I do. (laughs) I do. Anybody who's a believer in Jesus Christ and believes he's the Messiah of Israel, who's the Savior of the world, has uh, a greater knowledge of spiritual things and the things of God than uh, probably 99% of all Jews. Yes, Um, that's just the way it is. So, verse 18 then says, In the first day shall be an holy convocation. Ye shall do no manner of servile work therein. So, the day after Passover was a high Sabbath. Another Sabbath, not Saturday Sabbath. Unless it falls on Saturday once in a while, uh, there could be a, uh, uh, a, a dual Sabbath day on Saturday. But uh, most of the time, this high day falls on a different day of the week, and so that week you'd have two Sabbaths. That's what happened the week that Jesus died. He died on Passover, which was Wednesday, Nisan 14. The next day was a Sabbath day. And uh, people get confused by that. That's why they come up with Good Friday, because there was a Saturday after the day Jesus was crucified. People carelessly don't know their Bible, and they just say, oh, that means he must have died on a Friday. No, he died on a Wednesday. Then there was this high day, and John tells us in his gospel it was a high day Sabbath, not a Saturday Sabbath, the day after Jesus was crucified. Then came Friday, then the Sabbath Saturday, and so Jesus then rose from the dead sometime after sunset on that Saturday Sabbath following his Wednesday crucifixion. And we've got charts and messages on that if you are new to that and need to study it. Go to bbfohio.com and uh, click on the sermon uh, sermons link and then you can do a search for um, yeah, these things. Uh, look up the resurrection, look up the crucifixion, and you'll find all kinds of uh, great stuff there. We don't have time to get in all the details, of course. But verse 19 then says, But ye shall offer a sacrifice made by fire for a burnt offering unto the Lord, two young bullocks and one ram, and seven lambs of the first year. They shall be unto you without blemish. So these sacrifices are always to be without blemish in order to picture the sinless, perfect sacrifice who came in the person of Jesus Christ. And so the instructions continue. Let's read verses 20 through 24, several short verses here. Verse 20 says, And their meat offering shall be flour mingled with oil. Three-tenth deals shall ye offer for a bullock, and two-tenth deals for a ram. Verse 21, A several-tenth deal shalt thou offer for every lamb throughout the seven lambs, because there's seven days. And verse 22, And one goat for a sin offering to make an atonement for you. Verse 23, Ye shall offer these beside the burnt offering in the morning, which is for a continual burnt offering. 
And then verse 24. And uh, after this manner ye shall offer daily throughout the seven days the meat of the sacrifice made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. It shall be offered beside the continual burnt offering and his drink offering. We've often mentioned this sweet savor that you can um, get an idea of what that's like if you go to a, a outdoor open pit barbecue or to a good barbecue restaurant. We have one locally here we love called City Barbecue down where my parents and uh, brother and his wife and family live in Virginia. There's Mission Barbecue and Do South Barbecue. There's another one up here uh, we haven't gone to much just because of its location and everything, but it's called Hoggies, and we've enjoyed that. And there's another one called, down uh, in Virginia that I thought about visiting, Grumpy Pig. <laughs> now, of course, there wouldn't be any pig uh, at the sweet savor of the temple. But the smell would be similar. And they also have beef, turkey, and chicken at these barbecue restaurants. Um, at least the city barbecue does. You can go to a place called timeout.com and you'll find a list of the top 25 barbecue restaurants in America. I'll, I'll never do it, but if I were ever to go just in an RV and go traveling, I'd make sure I hit the all, if not mo uh, uh, most, if not all, of the uh, restaurants on that list. Um, but what a picture, just as pleasant and wonderful as that sweet savor from an open pit barbecue or a great barbecue restaurant. Um, just as that's such a wonderful and satisfying smell to the hungry sinner, the offering of Jesus Christ satisfied the wrath of God to save the souls of men. That's what that's picturing. So on the final day, the seventh day of unleavened bread was another high day special Sabbath. Uh, verse 25 says, And on the seventh day you shall have an holy convocation, you shall do no servile work. That means there's no, no work to be done. It's a day off. It's not a, it's not a uh, uh, multiple choice. It's a requirement. God required a day off. And uh, so... Um, then what we're going to see in the next verse is a reminder to count those weeks. Um, it'd be seven weeks, a total of seven, and then you'd have Pentecost first fruits, which is the 50th day after the unleavened bread feast. Um, and that would be another high day Sabbath, which could land on any day of the week in addition to the seventh day Sabbath, or sometimes land on that seventh day Sabbath. Verse 26 tells us also in the day of the first fruits, when you bring a, a new meat offering unto the Lord, after your weeks be out, that's talking about the seven weeks, ye shall have a holy convocation, ye shall do no servile work. And so Moses uh, reviews the instructions for Pentecost, uh, beginning verse 27 through 30. But ye shall offer the burnt offering for a sweet savor unto the Lord, two young bullocks, one ram, seven lambs of the first year. Verse 28, And their meat offering of flour mingled with oil, three-tenth deals unto one bullock, two-tenth deals unto one ram. Verse 29, A several-tenth deal unto one lamb throughout the seven lambs. Verse 30, And one kid of the goats to make an atonement for you. Um, and these spring and summer feasts were to be done in conjunction with the regular offerings, in addition to, not they didn't replace them. 
and also in addition to the weekly Sabbath, as Israel was instructed here in verse 31. Ye shall offer them beside the continual burnt offering and his meat offering. They shall be unto you without blemish and their drink offerings. Now, if you followed these days, especially from Genesis 1 up until where we're at, um, most of what we talked about in this chapter was review, really. But it's not a waste of time, and it's not redundancy. Review is very important. God is the one repeating this information, so you should recognize the fact that he believes repetition of certain things is important. It's important for Israel to get it right during that dispensation and for them to get the picture um, as they did so, as they followed these instructions. It's why places like Exodus 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Joshua then will remind them after Moses is gone, as Joshua 1.13 says, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. It's important for us to see Jesus pictured in these sacrifices, as Paul reminded the Hebrews in Hebrews 8.5, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. And of course, a well-known verse, 2 Timothy 2.15, that tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, is preceded by verse 14 in 2 Timothy 2. It says, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but this, the subverting of their hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth.